Well, good Monday morning and welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. As you know, February is our month where we're talking about commercial real estate finance issues. And so we've got a great guest today. Excited to jump into the conversation with him here in just a minute. But first, let's have a word from our sponsors at Incelerate. So if you're looking to close more loans again in 2021, obviously, I think this covers just about everyone in the industry. If you're looking to do that, then check out Incelerate and experience Incelerate's award-winning customer engagement platform that features lead management, CRM, call routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrower engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing, which includes text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and much more. So for more information about Incelerate and to schedule your personal demo today, go to Incelerate.com. And also, again, suggest that you follow Josh Friend on LinkedIn. He's very active there and has a lot of good information and insights for the industry as well. So with that, let's uh, jump into this week's uh, weekly update, and then we'll get started in our conversation. All right, for this week's weekly update, I want to talk to you about three webinars that the California MBA will be hosting here in February. Starting on February 16th, our Legal Issues Committee will be hosting their first webinar of the year. These webinars are usually quarterly, and we'll be covering a variety of topics, including uh, COVID-19 legal issues, an update on QM, an HR and employment law update, and we'll actually be having a uh, um, CFPB update as well. Speakers for that webinar include Chris Culley with Mayor Brown, Natalie Vance with Kleindienst, Michael Flynn of Buckhalter, Nima Dagbanden with Jirasi, and Rich Andriano with Ballard Spar. The following day on January, or I'm sorry, on February 17th, our Mortgage Technology and Marketing Committee will be hosting their monthly webinar. This one will be titled, How the Convergence of Consumer Direct and Retail Lending is Ushering in a New Era of Digital Lending. And we'll be uh, uh, featuring two great speakers, uh, Josh Friend with Incelerate, and then Mark Foley of Homestead Funding, as well as our moderator and one of the committee co-chairs, John Soroka of Soroka Brand Development. And then finally, towards the end of the month, on February 25th, our Mortgage Quality and Compliance Committee will be hosting their monthly uh, webinar. And this one we focused on social media marketing compliance, obviously a very, very uh, timely topic these days. Speakers will include Philip Yee with Plaza Home Mortgage and Mike Zastapil with Black Knight. So if you're interested in any of these three webinars or any of the events the California MBA is putting on these days, make sure to go to our website, cmba.com and click on the events tab and you can RSVP for any of these uh, webinars right now. All right, well, let's uh, jump into the conversation now. I'm excited to welcome in Brad Zampa. Brad is the EVP or one of the EVPs at CBRE. He is uh, leading the debt and structured finance division for the Northern California Capital Markets Institutional Properties Team. We actually featured him at our Western States CREF conference back here just a few months ago. So excited to bring him back in here now as well. Brad, welcome. Great to be here. All right. Well, let's start at the beginning here. Let's uh, let's talk about your background, find out how you got into the business on the commercial uh, real estate finance side, and, and specifically how you got involved in the uh, debt and structured finance sector. sector. Sure, sure. So uh, taking a walk down memory lane here, um, I, you know, I come from a real estate uh, family, really. My dad was into development and leasing, predominantly in the retail sector for, well, probably 50 years. Um, and so it was always in my blood. I always knew I wanted to enter in the commercial real estate. I just didn't know kind of how and, and that I was going to go about it, whether it was going to be development, leasing, uh, finance, sales, um, you know, all the above. There's a lot of different ways to have, start a career in commercial real estate. 
So actually what I did, and I was also interested in law, so I went, I, I, my, my entrance into the mortgage banking field was a little uh, untraditional and then I went to law school and uh, studied real estate law, thinking I want to be a real estate attorney, passed the bar and started working uh, at a firm, realizing that it, it was not my true calling, it was not my true passion. Um, I ended up spending a lot of time in, in a library doing research and it just was not for me. So I started uh, interviewing and networking and meeting a ton of people um, in the Bay Area and the real estate world. And uh, I had actually met uh, a few gentlemen that had left CDRE, what a small world it is, to start their own mortgage banking firm. I started uh, as an analyst um, and we were raising debt and equity for real estate projects, commercial real estate projects uh, on the West Coast. And I learned a ton uh, over a seven year period and then I went out on my own, being a real estate attorney and a broker, I figured, you know, why don't I just do this myself? Um, you know, I think it was, it was time uh, my relationships within the smaller firm had, had started to, I think they had exercised themselves, if you will, and it was time for me to move on. And I started working out of my house and I had, I had uh, several clients that were feeding me uh, mostly mortgages, some equity raises. I was by myself at my house, newly married, no kids. I had a Yahoo email address and a fax machine and I, it was unsustainable. At one point, I think I had 500 million under app by myself. I had no help. And um, so I was approached by uh, a few gentlemen that had, um, had also left CBRE and gone over to Cornish and Carey at the time, which is now Newmark by Frank. And we formed uh, Cornish and Carey Capital Markets uh, Back in 2004, we grew a team uh, of investment sales professionals and debt professionals, and we had a ball uh, with our little group and really uh, were highly successful, uh, mostly financing office, industrial, a little bit of retail and some multifamily deals. Um, but that synergy between investment sales, brokers, and debt brokers um, really uh, kind of kind of grew and you know we're all chasing the same clients and so it really kind of showed sh shown the light on how powerful uh, a partnership like that can be uh, until 2008-2009 when the market imploded and we were all sort of sitting sitting there staring at each other and we ended up kind of going our separate ways um, gentlemen that I was um, partners with at the time they, they had gone over to HFF I stayed at Cornish, and then really what happened was Cornish was getting sold to Newmark Knight Frank. It was taking too long. I ended up um, speaking with uh, Chris Ludeman and Brian Stoffers over at CBRE, who ended up hiring me, and I formed a new team, which is where I am today with about 20 20 person team at CBRE uh, covering investment sales and debt placement. Great, yeah. Well, and I have to imagine that that uh, you know law degree you were you know had to be in the back of your mind there about 2008 2009 as, as a potential. Oh yeah. Factor, right? oh yeah, we all were advisors and workout specialists and chasing special servicers for deals that really never materialized. I did help uh, certain clients, um, you know, engage in workouts. Uh, some successfully, not some not so much, and was making a little bit of money doing that. Mostly just doing it for free. And, and really getting uh, credibility amongst clients uh, for when the market kind of turned, uh, they, they'd remember me uh, that way. And so I got a lot of brand loyalty that way. Sure. Well, and I, you know, have to imagine, I mean, we haven't had, 
I, you're right about it being a bit of a unique, uh, you know, entrance into the market. I haven't really spoken to too many people who got their law degree first and then kind of jumped into the business. But that has to come in handy when you're going over deals. And I mean, people talk about the commercial uh, side of the business being so relational focused. And it is, I mean, from what I can, uh, from my vantage point, but it's also got to be so detail focused and it's, it has to come in handy that, you know, law background with a, you know, uh, focus and all the research that you had to do and, and uh, just the, the detail-oriented nature of that uh, law degree has to come in handy. Well, it's, it certainly helped, especially early on in my career, uh, being that I had credibility when I spoke to clients, but I also had confidence. And so when you're starting out as an analyst and then you move into doing cold calls and, you know, you got to get in front of, uh, you know, uh, clients trying to convince them to trust you with their deals, you better be confident because <laughs> uh, they'll see right through it. Um, so that helped a lot. And then today, um, I don't get involved too much in the legal aspects, um, in, in, except but for, you know, maybe uh, bringing attorneys, you know, to a close where they're really running up big bills on unnecessary covenants and loan docs. And I just step in and say, hey, guys, you know, we, we, I know what's going on. I know that you know that I know what's going on. So let's bring it to a halt. Uh, so that helps. Um, that helps a, a lot saving clients money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's fast forward to the present right now, then. And uh, let's get your take on, you know, big picture, where are we at with the, the state of the commercial real estate finance market right now? And, and maybe what are the biggest pain points from your, your perspective? Yeah. So, you know, finishing, uh, uh, you know, 19, going into 2020, the market was just absolutely on fire. Every product type uh, was was going gangbusters. Um, you know, CMBS market was on fire. Life targets. Debt funds had raised an inward amount of money, um, and the commercial banks, you know, regional banks, international banks were all chasing, um, you know, all product types in commercial real estate. Stopped, and nothing really happened for about a month. And then what happened was lenders started getting back into the market. The government started pumping it, top it up, and agencies came back. So everyone chased multifamily. In fact, our multifamily teams. Uh, had record-breaking years last year uh, in terms of volume. So Fannie and Freddie once again saved the day. They did it back. See, they do it every cycle. They're there, which is which is great, particularly if you're a CBRE and you're a multifamily specialist. These guys are good. They've got great practice. And they've got a great platform to work off. Um, then the industrial market came back, and um, a lot of it having to do with Amazon and the fact that work from home. People are shopping online. You know, you can't leave your house. Um, you know, shelter in place. Uh, it was pretty obvious. The industrial market was already on fire, and then it took off, and it remains that way. Um, and then slowly, about in the summer, single tenant office, long term net lease deals, particularly in the suburbs, started coming back for obvious reasons. Starting off with credit, you know, investment grade credit deals, but you know, seven year, ten year, twelve year uh, terms, very safe from a lending standpoint. That came back. Um, and then, you know, and then, you know, really what started happening is the, the kind of the multi-tenant suburban office is, is came back and is still back for obvious reasons. You don't have elevators, uh, you don't have lobbies, you control your ingress and egress, you don't have public transportation, you can leave your house, jump in your car, park, go in your office, not interact with a lot of people. It's, it's actually sad, really. It's a 180 from where we were. Um, at the beginning of 2020. Um, and, you know, 
fast forward to today, the debt markets have come screaming back. All, all lender types are back or they should be back or they're going to get blown out because there's so much money on the sideline chasing deals, whether it's acquisitions or refinances. The urban cores are still hard. CBD is still hard. Tower business is still hard, especially for the office sector. But, um, you know, I suspect, you know, it, it's going to come back, uh, especially once we get the, the vaccine, you know, rollout straightened out. Um, and then if you go from going from out the risk spectrum, so you go from multifamily to industrial to office, then you go retail. Retail's been getting a lot of headlines as a bloodbath, but grocery anchored retail and drug anchored retail is hot as a pistol for obvious reasons. Try go to a Trader Joe's right now. Try going, try going, walking into a Molly Stone's. It's packed. Uh, try going to a CVS. I mean, it's it. So that's pretty obvious. And then lastly, you know, the hotel market, hospitality market's really taking it on the chin. Um, you know, destination hot hospitality, like luxury hospitality. So you know. Think Silicon Valley. Think uh, you know. I, I use this example, Edgewood and Tahoe, um, predominantly because it's in Nevada. But those type of hotels are actually doing really well. But you go to a convention center hotel or a downtown hotel, and it's 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 pretty distressed. Yeah. So I mean, you mentioned a couple of them. Uh, you know, uh, the suburban markets and uh, um, industrial. But what what would you say? Maybe are those the the biggest opportunities or bright spots in the market right now? So yeah, um, you know, uh, a couple things. Uh, one is, yeah, the industrial market continues uh, to perform extremely well. Um, a lot of the suburban vacancy, uh, low-rise suburban vacancy, kind of industrial R&D, is getting converted to life science. That's the new play. Everybody's a life science expert, um, which is uh, encouraging, uh, and, and the lending community likes it. The issue is, if it, if it the issue is, could it be a bubble? Is it going to get overbuilt? And maybe the wrong players are getting into life science, um, and they're going to have to compete against the big boys, you know, Biomed, Blackstone, Alexandria, that have been doing this for years, and that have race now. I, um, just keep an eye on that, because, <laughs> uh, I mean, to, to think that you can have life science um, in downtown San Francisco is a little hard to imagine. I'm not saying it's not possible, but if too much space gets converted, then you have very expensive space with very weak credit, a lot of startup credit, and that's a recipe for disaster. Right, right. So, I mean, you mentioned- well, That's really where- Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that's really where I see right now. Some, some of the life science is gonna do great. Uh, you know, we're looking at a big deal in downtown Seattle um, that, that's very promising. Uh, we have several uh, life science deals on the market right now, but. To tell, to tell the market, if you're a broker, that you're going to take uh, a dilapidated mall and turn it into life science is going a little too far out on them, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> well, how far do you expect that life science uh, you know, trend to continue? I mean, will that continue you know, beyond 2021? Who knows? I think, what, I think it's going to, it'll be interesting to watch uh, to see how much absorption uh, and if the demand's there. Um, you know, developers will continue to build. Uh, right now, the demand is there, but at some point, you just don't know how long it's going to last. Sure. Well, and you know, speaking of crystal balls here, let's talk office space and, in particular. How, you know, where do we go from here? And, and as far as the you know, post-pandemic and the work from home in, uh, reality now, uh, what's what's your crystal ball telling you? You know, yeah, for the next we spend a lot of time. We spend a lot of time uh, talking about this on calls every day both uh, internally at CBRE and externally with clients. Um, nobody really knows, right? Uh, we're all guessing. Um, 
uh, big picture, I think, you know, once again, the suburbs are benefiting uh, tremendously from, from COVID. I mean, Silicon Valley is performing extremely well. Very little sublease space on the market. There's actually been some leasing going on. If you read the headlines down in Silicon Valley. So that's all positive. And then you flip to San Francisco and it's a bloodbath, right? Um, you know, we're, we're approaching 20% vacancy between sublease space um, and direct space. Uh, rents are falling. Um, no one really knows. So what I, you're going to have a great reset, just like every cycle. This cycle is you know, every cycle has got their own nuance, but this isn't new. Uh, same thing happened in uh, early 90s, dot com in the early 2000s, great financial crisis. And here we are today. It's another black swan event that no one saw coming. And it just takes time. Um, so we'll get the vaccine and companies at some point are going to have to you know, start saying it's going to be a, probably a hybrid model. Uh, I think, you know, three to four days a week in the office and maybe a day of work from home. I think maybe senior level uh, management probably might be out of the office a little bit more. But I think from a younger person's perspective, uh, when you're trying to break in the, out of business, you got to get in the office. You got to be near your boss. You got to absorb the culture. You need a mentor. You, there's no way you're going to advance on a Zoom call sitting in Park City. It's just it's just it's not reality. And some people are going to choose lifestyle, um, as always, and some people are going to choose to get back in the office. So we just need a reset. We need to know where rents are. We need to know where demand and occupancies are before you can really start underwriting. All the value-add deals, I'm just using San Francisco as an example, um, have been pulled from the market uh, because sellers aren't willing to sell. Sellers don't need to sell uh, quite yet. You, know, you have really low interest rates. Most landlords in San Francisco are under-levered. And they can hold on for a long time. And so most of them need to sell. So all that distress that everyone's waiting to see, um, you know, there'll be some, but it's usually a lot less than people think. Just like it happened in 2010, there was only three or four really distressed deals in San Francisco. But pricing is going to definitely come down. I think we're down 30 percent, 25 to 30 percent right now. Um, but it's going to come back. You know, Silicon Valley and the Bay Area always reinvents itself. There's always new entrepreneurs, there's always new startups, and they're going to need office space. Maybe not as much as they needed in the past. Um, you know, there's some uh, school of thought that says that they're going to need more space because they need people to spread out more, right? Uh, more square footage per, per employee. Uh, so some people think it's a wash. I think it's going to be a combination. Um, and it's too early to know. Uh, we don't really know what the other side looks like, but... Once again, Silicon Valley reinvents itself every cycle. And what, there's always these headline risks of a mass exodus. And there is. There are companies that are, that are leaving for political reasons, for tax reasons, for cost of living reasons. But the talent is still here. Uh, a lot of the talent is still here. If you need to grow a company fast and scale it, you need employees, they're here. And so uh, a lot of the mass exodus, you got to realize even CBRE moved from down, we're moving uh, our headquarters to Dallas. Uh, we're not leaving California. <laughs> we're just moving our headquarters. And, you know, I got to be careful what I say, but I think a lot of it has to do with taxes. Um, so California, we have a tax problem. You know, we have a pension problem. Uh, we have a lot of problems, but the town is still here. Right, right. And I think you're 100% right on uh especially younger uh, younger employees coming into a, a, a company and even a newer company trying to build a culture and build some of that camaraderie, you're going to have to have people in the office. So I, I think well, I'm, to... I'm just the office, you know, and I, I'm fairly senior and, 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 you know, do I have to go in? No. Do I want to go in? Yes. I want to mix it. I want to mix on a feel, the energy, 
um, the collaboration with collaboration, there's ideas with ideas, there's deals, you know, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's pretty obvious. Um, people are going to need to get back in, you know, whether it's three days a week or five days a week, that's up in the air. Um, and actually who does need to be in more than others, you know, all that. And a lot of it's going to be based on a company, you know, what do they want to, uh, you know, dictate. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm all for, I mean, how productive can you, I have a home office, right? So I'm lucky. But if you're 30 years old and you're sharing an apartment and you're all Zoom calling from your kitchen, I mean, how productive can you actually be? And at first, you know, the first six months of COVID, I was like, this is great. We're in these companies, Salesforce, Google, Facebook, Apple, we're, oh, we're, we're being, we're productive. We're super productive. Now what's coming out of Silicon Valley, product, productivity is down. And it's pretty obvious. And so there's anywhere from 20 to 30% productivity is down is what they're estimating. And for sure, our company can't be, has to be the same. Yeah. I know I'm not as productive at home. There's no way. No, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're doing deals and we're busier than most and, you know, we're, we're getting it done, but not at the level we were when we were all together in the office. I miss yeah. all my time. And throw into that, you know, uh, you know, workers that have kids that are at home that, I mean, you can only, you know, lock the door for so long to have a Zoom call before someone pounds on the door or, you know, an emergency breaks out. I have out. three boys. I have three boys in the house on, you know, two or a half school, two half day school. One's full time Zoom. I mean, it's awful. You know, it, it's yeah. really, it's really hard. Uh, we're all talking over each other. Everyone can hear each other. I mean, we can, we have, an, uh, thank God, we have some space where we can spread out, but it's, uh, it's not easy. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. So let's uh, I, you know, switch gears here a little bit here. I'm curious to know your your uh, take on this. Are you starting to see some of the development resume on some bigger projects? Um, you know, are they or are we still waiting uh, for more of the shackles to come off, whether it's the vaccine or lifting of government sanctions? And no, we're seeing. I mean, it depends on product type, right? So are you going to see a Class A office tower go up right now? Probably not. We have several that we've been. Um, we're going to be marketing uh, one in Oakland, one in Bellevue. Um, not probably not quite ready, but if you think about it, um, it's not that far off because you're going to build right through the pandemic and the recovery. So it's not terrible timing. It's, it's really hard to underwrite right now because where are rents, right? Where, where is occupancy? How do you underwrite absorption, lease up time, things like that. So that, but that will come and it's not that far off. I don't think, um, when you talk about multifamily, there's a ton of development going on. When you talk about industrial, there's a ton of development going on. Uh, when you talk about life science, there's there's a lot of development going on. Um, are you going to build a shopping center right now? No. Are you going to build a hotel right now? No. So it's really market specific and it's really product specific. But construction financing is in the market. I have a uh, construction loan right now that we just signed up for a data center in Silicon Valley, $50 million loan. Um, you know, it was priced significantly wider uh, than it was pre-COVID, but the financing is there. So you know, I suspect that you're going to see, uh, you know, a lot of developers dust off old plans and, and start to get ready. Gotcha. So, you know, I'm curious, the uh, projects that you talk about and some of the deals, especially on the commercial site, are always so complicated and not always so complicated, but often complicated and, you know, obviously high value. And so how do you, what's your, your secret sauce here? I'm curious, uh, just from your perspective, what's your secret sauce? What's the secret? Well, to I, can't you, you know, I can't let you know all my secrets. What's that? <laughs> I can't let you in on all my secrets. 
No, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty simple uh, in elementary. Uh, honestly, I mean, it all comes back to relationships, uh, you know, which, which is, you know, all, all ties into the fact that we need to get back together uh, in the office, at conventions, in meetings, um, things like that. But relationships are key, having high level lending relationships to make sure that, you know, there's mutually assured destruction if there's a mistake made. Uh, and I've built relationships over time with all the, you know, big institutions and lenders. Uh, I mean, we had a, a, some pretty scary uh, deals go sideways um, last year, putting back together. I think a lot of it has to do with having senior senior level uh, relationships, but also what CB has unique to a lot of my competitors is really good information and really good data. I can pick up the phone, I can go to research, I can get comps. I mean, appraisers call us for information. Uh, so we have we deal with so much data. Uh, we have such great leasing brokers, um, you know, up and down the coast that I can lean on. Great investment sales professionals that I you know, we built incredible relationships so that relationships and really good information and data is how you get complicated deals yeah well i would imagine too you know especially having a uh, you know all the resources of cbre has got to be you know an asset in a time like this yeah a hundred percent and you know that that's why i think a lot of the smaller mortgage banking shops struggle um in down cycles because they don't have real-time data that we have and they can't jump on the phone with you know five leasing brokers and have a nice conversation on a Zoom call. I mean, we, that's all I do. Most of what I'm doing all day, I've had as many internal calls as I do external because uh, we're all, all trying to figure out the market. And we have, um, I get, you know, time back, I'll just tell you, I get a Bay Area, internal Bay Area letter. And to tie back to San Francisco and all the, all the bad you know, the bad headlines and everyone's leaving and it's a bloodbath. I'll just tell you just really quickly, I'm gonna run through just San Francisco alone in January, VC funding, Radiant, 13 million raise, A round, Dorbest, 2.5 million seed round, Starship, 17 million, Booski, 70 million, Lone Pal, 800 million, U round, Club Fees, Unfold, all these companies, I could go down the list. That's just January. There's 25 different raises, 30 raises right here, um, and they're going to need office space. Right. But this is the kind of information they're constantly feeding us as brokers, which really elevates our game. Yeah. Well, and again, I think that we talked about it last week on the podcast, but I think that's a great example of why, you know, major decisions and policy shouldn't be made by headlines. Because if you read just the headlines right now, you think that everything is in the tank right now. And, you know, we're facing imminent you know, destruction on the commercial side. But, you know, last week we talked to Gary Bechtel. He had a great positive outlook and you've got one, too. No, I really do. I'm used to this. You know, I mean, this is uh, my third cycle, probably. I mean, um, I guess you could call it fourth. I don't know. Uh, and it, it's it's all it's the same. It takes a it takes a couple of years to work through and reset. We're in a big reset in the office market, uh, particularly in our urban core CBD. Um, you know, Seattle. If you go to Seattle right now, it's boarded up. If you go to down San Francisco, it's boarded up. In Seattle, one of the hottest submarkets right now is Bellevue in the East Side. Um, if you if you had I mean, you would have never thought that Redmond would be hot. It is It is incredibly hot. It's one of the hottest markets in the country. Silicon Valley is performing beautifully right now. Um, you know, uh, you know are, are, is everybody in occupancy? No. Is everyone paying rent? Yes. Um, it's also just got a ton of credit. I mean, these, these, uh, these startup companies from 10 years ago, you know, Google, <laughs> Apple, the fame, the, the fame stocks, if you will, they're all credit companies now and, and they're not going anywhere. And so I think the headlines are completely overblown. It just takes time. You got to be patient. 
and let uh, the distress work itself through the system. Yeah, it's a good perspective. Hopefully we get a vaccine. I'm guessing, you know, Q3, Q4, we're going to have a lot more clarity of what the other side looks like. Yeah, well, I think everyone will, everyone will appreciate some more clarity for sure. Um, <laughs> so uh, final question here. Let's uh, switch gears here again. I'm curious from your perspective as a, you know, somebody who's been in the industry for a long time now in a senior position, how important is it for industry players to support the advocacy work of organizations like the California MBA, the MBA, and on the commercial side, uh, groups like NAOP? Yeah, I mean, it's imperative. It's a hundred percent. And I mean, once again, we go to Zoom calls and it's, it's not quite the same. You need to be in there. That's the best networking you can do is ULI, NAOP, mortgage bankers, um, you know, CREF. All those industries are so crucial to growing um, as an individual, you know, personally and professionally. I, uh, I didn't realize it until probably last cycle and I ended up joining NAOP. I mean, it was so valuable. I met so many great people. Um, I still attend the events. I sat on the board. Uh, ULI is fantastic. Uh, the Rosen Conference, fantastic. Um, you know, all those, if you're, especially if you're younger, um, it's, it's imperative to grow your networking and, and to learn and, and get involved. You got to get involved. You got to, you know, really get behind the scenes and not just show up, but be part of some of the committees, um, be part of some of the events somehow. You know, you, you got to be involved. And, you know, and even for someone senior, it still keeps us connected with. Yeah. Well, and speaking of events, you know, we've got our Western States uh, uh, Commercial Real Estate Finance Conference, the Western States CREF coming up here in September. And it's going to be at this point, we're planning on it in person. So hopefully, you know, you'll be able to that be there in person. Awesome. We'll be able to, you know, shake hands and, you know, high five after all the. Well, I, miss, I miss that event. I miss that's a that's a that's a must attend. I miss that event every year. Um, but all those events usually I mean, this is what it is. So it's uh, February 4th. Right. So I'm on I'm on the road every week at the end of January and into February. I mean, I bounce up and down the coast, you know, meeting with clients, going to events. That's a part of the industry that I miss uh, greatly. Yeah, you'd be at right now. You'd be at the MBA CREP conference. MBA and also mixed with uh, there's a private equity conference down in Laguna, IMN that I used. Yeah, it's also in a very, it's also in a very nice place. <laughs> in the wintertime, it's great to be in Laguna. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm sure that's not a, not an accident. Well, hey, uh, Brad, thanks again for uh, joining us on the podcast. It was great talking to you and catching up. And hopefully, like I said, we'll be able to uh, see each other in person here in September at the Western States CREP. Hey, thank you. It's been an honor. All right. Well, and if you like the uh, conversation here, if you enjoyed uh, our chat, then make sure and subscribe to our channel here on uh, YouTube. You can also follow us and listen to the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And we'll be back again next week for another episode of Connect. We'll see you then. <laughs>